You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is the unofficial 40 podcast, Cotton Bowl preview show. As uh, I am Carrie Burdock, we welcome in uh, Eddie Radosevich and Bob Presbillo. And Josh McQuistion uh, broke his house. So uh, he, to be fair, he did join an hour and a half podcast yesterday that went into the ether somehow. Uh, so he was not able to join today. But uh, we have plenty to talk about because uh, OU is getting ready to play in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, word breaking this morning that uh, Jaden Hazelwood would not be a part of it. So we've been dealing with that a little bit the last couple of hours. And uh, what we can tell you is, yes, Jaden Hazelwood has opted out of the bowl game and the practices this week, uh, so he will not be a member of the team. Why that is, I think, is uh, up for debate. I know, Bob, you reached out and talked to his people, and uh, they've signaled that all is well, all is fine. They did. You know, it's, it's someone I've been in touch with before for Jaden News, and it's not always positive, but he kind of, the the... the theory with them right now is that he wants to get healthy really rest up do it right and then be ready to really make that splash in 2021 which is basically what all OU fans want as well and just to uh to be clear this is something opting out that uh you know he obviously you wouldn't they say clear it with Lincoln Riley he told Lincoln Riley I'm not gonna play and Lincoln's basically like okay well go get healthy uh, you know, take your time, all of that. Uh, and then you turn around and you're, poach, you're posting training videos, which is probably not the smartest thing because coaches see that. They're football guys, and uh, they're like, what the hell? If you're hurt or you want to get healthy, what are you doing? Why, why aren't you just working out with us? Why aren't you practicing with us? Why aren't you playing with us? If you can train, you can play. So, yeah, I mean, I, look, that's one thing about Lincoln, Eddie, is uh, he's always player first, and he is never going to show any frustration about things like this. As, you know, Dan Mullen didn't show any frustrations about his guys this morning uh, on the uh, last press conference the coaches had. That's their jobs, is to put on a public front. That doesn't mean that behind the scenes guys aren't like, you know, God damn it. What I is think he doing? that's kind of what has uh, pushed a lot of college coaches out of the uh, industry in a way and made it unenjoyable to a certain extent is because you have to put up with so much bullshit right now. And whether it be a trainer or whether it be a parent or whether it be whoever that is connected back to the kid or in their ear, you kind of just got to 
you know, I, I think that's why you have to have a lot of trust when you sign that uh, letter of intent and when you get to a campus. And I get it. Like, he's probably frustrated. I, I think my official take on this is he's frustrated. I get it. Probably wants to be a little bit more part of the offense. But in all reality, the guy's been hurt for the last year. It's not like he's not coming off of a uh, serious leg injury. And, you know, I, I think that everybody probably just needs a reset on this. Uh, I would be a little surprised if it ends up that uh, Jaden Hazelwood isn't part of the Oklahoma program in 2021, but I get it. Like, people are going to freak out. I, I, I completely understand the freak out side of it. I also understand the other side of it as far as I think everybody just needs to breathe here and uh, and let this thing kind of iron itself out. And I get the frustration. I'm sure that he wants to see the ball more. I'm sure that he wants to play more. But also at the same time, I, I get it from the other side of it and from the coaching side of it, from the perspective of, like, who the fuck are the fans to question what Oklahoma's doing offensively? They've put up historically great offenses over the last three, four seasons. They've had Heisman Trophy winners. They've had a Blitnikoff winner. They've had multiple All-Americans at the wide receiver position. If, if you don't like it, leave. Like, I, I just, I, I don't get it. I guess... Like the second guessing of what Oklahoma is doing offensively right now by the fan base is just ignorant to a certain extent because their favorite player's not playing. Well, guess what? Other guys are playing better than him. Well, in the elephant, you know, the board is and I, flipping I, I out. Really get it. He shouldn't be playing in front of Charleston. Like Charleston Rambo should not be playing in front of him. If it was up to me, Rambo wouldn't be playing any. That probably guarantees that he has three touchdowns against Florida on Wednesday night. But like, <laughs> I think that's just like I think that's kind of the fan base's viewpoint as far as like, so you're telling me why is, why is Rambo have all these snap counts when, you know, Hazelwood can't get on the field. It's like, I mean, goddamn, the guy's only been available for three games this year. He's been available for four. And one of them was because he couldn't even dress out because he was in quarantine. I, I think part, part of the problem too stems from the fact that how many times did Lincoln publicly praise Jaden for yeah. how he handled the situation early in, in the August, season? And yeah, in October. I mean, he kept saying how he was a as all in with the sure. team as you could possibly be for someone right. that's hurt. Yeah, and I, look, it's the thing about it is this is this is reality, and like I said, it's Lincoln's job to paint a pretty picture of everything. And if we knew the amount of turmoil that went on behind the scenes on a daily basis. Uh, oh, people, people would think that the program is literally melting down. Yeah. I mean, stuff like this happens a lot. And there's a reality to it, which is coaches get pissed off. I mean, they don't like dealing with this stuff. They they want their players to play. They, they don't want, you know, trainers always being in control of guys and things like that. Um, it's just, I there's... I will say this. I have been told that several coaches feel like this is a very weird situation with Jaden and what's going on, and they're not comfortable. So and it's, it's his trainer's job to say, oh, no, everything's fine. This is all cleared you know, through the coaches. This is no big deal. He's coming back. He's completely behind Oklahoma. Like, I, There's a certain level of skepticism here because... He's not playing football, and he can be playing football. And well, so, and I'm, I'm just telling you, that's, like that's, that's an exact quote that I got just as we're doing this podcast, that and, a few and, coaches and remember, think it's, Gary, quote, it's, really weird, end quote. And it's something that Bob just brought up, too. Remind you, like, 
he's been around the program through thick and thin through all of this. And so now it's like, well, I'm not going to come back home from, or I'm not coming back to Norman from Georgia or wherever the hell he is because I want to get ready for the next season. Yet you put in all of that legwork over the last, you know, six, seven months to be around the program and to have Lincoln Riley kind of go out of his way to say that he was a leader in the program. I, I think Bob hit it right on the head. Like it, it is a very strange, awkward way to go through it. And then, like I said, you're posting videos of you working out. Sure. Well, all this is good. Like what? Like at some point you have to realize how things look like you might be saying something, but you're doing something else. And are you training to come back to Oklahoma? Like there's just when you're, when your actions don't match up with your words, people are going to kind of notice that. And they're going to question how legitimate your words really are. And the, the backlash among the five-star receivers, I, I don't know if it's just the board or if it's actually like a growing trend of OU fans that believe these guys have not lived up to their promises and, and, and maybe are skeptical that they can even reach that point just based on what they've seen from them throughout the first two years. Well, and the other thing is, if you're an offensive coach at Oklahoma, uh, you've seen that it takes time for it's taken time for Spencer Rattler to gain trust in his receivers. And once he's done it, it's paid huge dividends, whether it's Theo Weiss or Austin Stogner, uh, even, you know, just go down light. He never gained that with Charleston Rambo because Charleston Rambo just either doesn't make plays or isn't open enough. Um, and they want him to have a game, a big game against good competition with Spencer Rattler as a receiver. And that, that you know, could really help him going into next year. It could it could help him his relationship with Spencer Rattler to play one more game. I mean, like that play that he made in the Big 12 championship game, you think Spencer Rattler, when he gets into trouble, that he's not going to look more for Jaden Hazelwood if he keeps making plays like that for him? So he's just missing an opportunity to do that. Yeah, it, it, it truly, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I think that's why the... It's easy for a lot of people to just kind of speculate and kind of wonder what's really going on there. It just, it truly doesn't make sense. And I do understand the other side of it too, as far as like, well, if you're not going to play, you can't travel to the bowl game. I get that. I get that point, like with COVID and the travel rules and everything that's going into the weirdness of bowl season. It just, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a very awkward thing, but if I had to guess, I bet cooler heads prevail at some point and you know we end up looking at this as far as uh, you know something that is probably bigger right now than it than it actually really is but then again you can't just completely close the book on it we're not going to stop checking the portal that's for sure no i mean it just it has to be done now so uh that being said not out of the way well, a little bit the whole week uh, welcome to Bowl Week, uh, <laughs> where, yeah, opt-outs. I mean, can you imagine, like, the Florida podcast right now? I mean, holy hell. I, I've talked to them a little bit because uh, we've been, you know, exchanging stuff for the five questions and, uh, you know, the, the folks down at uh, Gators uh, Territory. And I think that <laughs> I told Nick yesterday, I was like, I can't even 
begin to imagine what that fan base is like. Not to mention the fact that I think this has gone, I don't think it's gone underreported at all. I think everybody knows, but like, it's not like Florida's exactly playing their best football of the season coming into this one too, having lost uh, two straight. Well, their, their biggest problem is they're like Oklahoma has been, which is their defense isn't great, but their offense saves their ass. Uh, and, that LSU game, the reason they lost it is because their defense is not great and their offense just didn't make enough plays. It, you know, And they missed a field goal at the end of the game. Uh, but now you take away four of your top five receivers and you still have the same defense, but you don't have the offense. You don't have the shoe thrower, by the way. He opted out, uh, which might be addition by subtraction. But, I mean, now you're sitting there and you have a team going into a bowl game that might not be able to keep up with the other team now. What's, what's interesting for the guys they're missing is we don't know if it's like last year. Like, we knew when Turner Yell went down, that was going to be like a death blow. There's no way OU could, over, could overcome that against LSU. But with these guys being out, does Florida have some young, young pups that have been waiting for this moment? Like, if you would give a comparison, this would be like, Guys going down so that Trajan Bridges can now play 50 to 60 snaps. Like, are there, are there guys that are talked about within the Gators community, like we talk about some of the guys here, that you're like, why aren't these young guys playing? Oh, Wednesday night's going to be exactly their chance to show why they should be out there. In short, I think it, the answer is no. Uh, I And I think that a lot of that has to do just with the fact that the the, the four or I guess the three opt outs and then the COVID casualty, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts, obviously he's top 10 draft pick. Right. Uh, you, you look at the other, the other two wide receivers and Tony and uh, Grimes and it's like, I mean, there's a lot of production there. Even Jacob Copeland, the kid that's the COVID casualty. I mean, he's fourth in receptions on the team. And I, I just I don't know where Trask is going to get the ball out to. Especially if Oklahoma can get some pressure on him. Yeah, as well like, as I OU know. is recruited. I mean, you take away Austin Stogner. You take away Marvin Mims. You take away Theo Wees. And then, hell, who do you take away next? Um, Rambo, I guess. And you tell me that that receiving rotation looks good, even with you know with your backup talent that you've recruited. It doesn't. It looks good, but some like a Keon Zipperer, the backup tight end. You know, some like... Uh, is it Xavier or Xavier Hen- uh, Henderson? That's a former Rivals 100 recruit that's kind of just been waiting in the wings. So I'm not saying they're going to be as good as what, you know, Grimes, Tony, and Pitts have been, but maybe this is their, their springboard. You know, this is the type of opportunity they've been looking for to show what they can do heading into 2021. I don't know. Well, I just don't see it as a, as, a big of a deal at the lose-lose scenario that people have been saying. I don't see it that way because I think Florida's going to have some guys emerge and Kyle Trask is still there. So the one that's leading the charge is still running the show. Then he's going to figure out how to make these pieces work. I'll say this. I, he doesn't even have to step on the field. And I've already gained more respect for Kyle Trask for just playing in this game. I you mean... Know, go ahead. I mean, just... Anybody that cared about, you know, their stock would have opted out in this day and age, and he's not sure. going to. I, th- I think that you know his the, his story is kind of you. I, I knowing his story or, or becoming more familiar with it, I think it's one of those things that 
you kind of got to take a step back and go, yeah, I could understand why he's still playing. Just kind of the way that he went through Manville, had to wait his time, went to Florida, had to wait his time. And then, you know, he's obviously taking advantage of it. But, you know, it's kind of crazy to think, too, that, like, this is happening to a Heisman finalist in a way. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's not weird. It's just like he's thrown for over 4,000 yards, obviously, 43 touchdowns, the five interceptions. I just feel like, I don't know, maybe it's being undersold a little bit how good he really is. Now, you you do look at the numbers, and uh, you know, I think it was uh, Greg McElroy that brought it up. Pretty good point on uh, Gabe and Teddy's podcast just as far as he had a lot of touchdowns inside the 10-yard line this year. And that might inflate the numbers a little bit, but at the same time, Kyle Trask, good quarterback, a really good quarterback. Oh, he throws a great and deep ball. To, and to think that you know he's not going to make some guys better on Wednesday night, I like. I, I guess my point is, Oklahoma's still only a three and a half point favorite, even with mm-hmm. the casualties. Like I, I still think that this could be a pretty good football game if OU, uh, you know, obviously they go out and turn the ball over, Rattler turns the ball over, or they're uh, not able to get off the field on third down. Like if Oklahoma goes one for 11 again on third down, like they were in the Big 12 championship, they're going to get beat Wednesday night. Florida can still play a pretty good football. Yeah, I mean, it is a, it's dangerous from the perspective of do you let down thinking this is a, a pushover now for the defense, which, right. I mean, you're still going to have to get pressure on Trask, and that's going to be the key to this whole thing. And and Florida can get pressure as well. I mean, they're they're pretty good uh, at the pass rush positions. And, you know, defensively, you know, Elam's a, a really good player. Uh, is he a great player? You know, I, I, he has some holes in his game. But at the same time, you know, you're going to have to go out there and make plays on both sides of the ball to win this thing. Uh, it's not going to be, even without, you know, the top four receivers, you're still, you know, Kyle Trask is still going to put together an offense because he's just that good defensively. You're going to have to get pressure. You're going to have to defend, uh, you know, Woody Washington and, and DJ Graham and uh, Jaden uh, Davis. I mean, they're going to have to play good games in order to win. Yeah, and this might be a breakout chance for Graham. I mean, uh, I kind of, the way things have trended, I think it's going to be Woody and DJ starting with Jaden Davis being in that third role and, you know, if if Graham can really make that that leap, that's sort of the you know what I'm tra- saying with the uh, Florida guys. You switch it to the Sooners and say there's no Trey Brown, but DJ Graham's been waiting for this moment, and now it's here. Let's see what he does with it. Yeah, and Alex Grinch was asked about you know possibly moving Trey Norwood to corner. I don't think they'll need to do that, and and I would be surprised if we didn't see Trey Norwood starting at nickel once again because I think that worked out pretty well in the Big Twelve game. Yeah, and it sounds like Buki, you know, rolling with the punches. I mean, you could say he needs to be. He has no leg to stand on in terms of saying you know, demand to be out there, but it didn't seem like it was a big issue. And you can just move Trey from nickel and safety to whatever you need on that on that particular drive. I guess it's kind of a cop-out, too, but I, I, I still am kind of, I guess, excited in a way to see what this front seven for Oklahoma can do against uh, just another team. Like, I don't know why I keep telling myself that they need to prove it in somehow some form, but uh, I'm kind of excited to see what, how much pressure those guys, you know, Ronnie Perkins, Nick Benito, Isaiah Thomas, Perron Winfrey, can he finish some plays up front? Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how this group matches up against a, uh, I guess, you know, for the lack of a better 
term. I mean, what they are, an SEC team. I I hate being that well, guy. Well, we talked you about this. Why, we talked about this yesterday, Bob, on the Lost Podcast. Um, <laughs> the Lost Pod. Uh, you know, Lincoln Riley needs an SEC win. Yes. I mean, yep. he really needs. I mean, Bob fought that monster. Uh, he beat Alabama. He, you know, he lost early to LSU. He lost to Florida in a national championship. They took two away from him. But then when they became the dominant force in college football, Bob was the one that fought back, and he was the one that actually uh, took some verbal jabs. He he kind of went Steve Spurrier a little bit, uh, and then he beat Alabama, and then he beat Auburn, and uh, his final and game. Tennessee. Yeah, and he beat Tennessee back back in back-to-back years. So on their own field, like. He, Lincoln has lost to Georgia. He's lost to Alabama. He's he's uh, lost to LSU. He has not. He does not have that that signature SEC win as a head coach. So this, I don't. People don't look at that LSU game last year and say, "Well, yeah, remember OU OU was losing these people." No, OU went out and got no. their ass kicked, and that's all people remember. If Lincoln goes out and kicks LSU's ass, that's his. You know, he finally has a signature win against the SEC. Then. Exactly. And, you know, Eddie's talking about the OU defense. Part of it, I, I was looking at, I think Florida's the first top 20 offense that the Sooners have played the entire season, which sounds astounding when you're looking at the Big 12 and, and what it's been. But compared to what it is, Gators are ranked at number nine at 508 yards per game. And, you know, this for all, all those people who said, oh, they did it against, you know, Texas Tech and Kansas, this is this is their moment. This is what they've been waiting to see is could they do it against an actual high powered offense? And it just so happens that the sec is the one that supplying that fight, that uh, firepower now. Yeah. And, and Iowa state is just such a different team with their tight ends and, and their run game. And, and that was an impressive performance in the big 12, but yeah, you just haven't had, you haven't had the quarterbacks in this league this year. I mean, um, Really, people kind of figured it out, and Spencer Rattler started getting a lot more accolades from the national, uh, you know, team, Big Twelve teams than he did from the coaches. But really, on paper, Spencer Rattler was the most uh, dynamic passing quarterback in the Big Twelve this year. It wasn't Sam Ellinger, it wasn't Brock Purdy, um, it wasn't Charlie Brewer. I mean, it wasn't uh, Spencer Sanders for sure. I mean. There just was not that Heisman-level quarterback in the league this year. I think that's probably what I was – that's that's a better version of what I was trying to say earlier. I'm excited to see how this defense matches up. And, Bob, you wrote about it today in one of the notebooks just as far as I'm excited to see how this defense matches up with a quarterback that we know is very, very capable. Like two or three years ago – I'd be pretty damn hard-pressed to say that OU's going to win this football game. We'll see if I've kind of been fooled by what they've done defensively, but I think that up front you can get enough pressure on somebody like a uh, Kyle Trask to, to force him at least into maybe some uncomfortable decisions, and then are you good enough to take advantage of that? And Trask is a good runner. I mean, he, he pulls yep. it down and picks up first downs a lot uh, when he doesn't have anything open, so... He's a guy that's going to be able to move around. He's not just going to be standing back there as a statue in the pocket. It's the revenge game for Jean DeLance, right? Or revenge game for the Sooners against him. God, that's a name I haven't thought of in a while. <laughs> I think you literally just sent me into PTSD. I got to go run down to the bottom of the uh, Orange Bowl Stadium to smoke cigarettes now. I remember... 
we couldn't figure out if it was Jean or Jean. Still don't know. No clue. And I asked him one time, and he was like, it's both. I was like, oh, thanks. That really helps. So he doesn't ever correct anybody. And I think I asked, I was asking that question, like, what does your mom call you? And I think it was Gene. So, anyway. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm really excited to see Ronnie Perkins, excited to see Isaiah Thomas, excited to see Nick Benito go up against that offensive line. Uh, and really, this is potentially could be, as much as we're talking about Kyle Trash, this, is, this could also be the one player that, that, who could have the biggest breakout from this game, I think, is Spencer Rattler. Sure. I mean, I think that you go out and you put together a, you know, whatever you want to call a really good performance, and all of a sudden, it's it kind of goes back to the, the springboard theory. And I don't believe that, like, if OU goes out and wins by two touchdowns, they're automatically a shoe into the playoff next season. Uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into a season that's going to be a, you know, a different set of uh, circumstances. There's going to be different players on the team come next year. But I do think just from a psyche wise and from a mentality wise, if you go out and play well, Spencer Rattlers, I mean, it, it in a way, they're the only game on on Wednesday night. It's going to be the main attraction. Uh, he could really kind of vault himself into this. Yeah, I'm here. And this offense is going to be you know, sky's the limit here over the next few seasons if you're able to put together a really good performance uh, Wednesday night. And, you know, everything that anybody has said about this Florida defense, he's going to have opportunities. Can he make the throws? And over the last couple of weeks, you would think that he has progressed into a quarterback. And, Bob, you wrote about it, uh, you know, up on the site on uh, Tuesday morning. You would think that the steps he's made from a maturation process, from just – Everything that goes into becoming the quarterback at Oklahoma, it's clear that he is more comfortable today than he was, you know, even a month ago when they were playing. Maybe it hasn't looked as good as it as it needs to, but you know, some of the throws that he made against Iowa State, uh, I think we'll go back and probably appreciate him more. Oh, some the awesome we, throws. we get out from that game. Yeah, and, and what you know, Lincoln Riley said flat out, he thought that was the best game that he's played. The numbers don't say that. Numbers don't say the Big 12 championship was the best game that Rattler played this season, but just the way that he commanded things and just that there is a different aura about him. He seems more in control, and it's 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 coming through. Now, maybe you wonder about some of the play calling, especially in the second half, but, I mean, it just it, – I don't think there's that sense of when's the other shoe going to drop when it comes to Rattler, like maybe there was during the first month of the season where you had the good – the bad you're starting to get into that mode of thinking all right how how many good plays is is he gonna make because he's got that much talent and he's understood how to bounce back from his early, his early uh mistakes you know it's funny you look at the numbers and i ended up looking back at it yesterday pre-benching at texas obviously coming in the second quarter down at the cotton bowl 77 of 107 105 one, 11 touchdowns and five interceptions uh, post benching, sitting, timeout, whatever you want to call it, 123 of 187, uh, 1,733 yards, 14 touchdowns, and then obviously the big number, the two interceptions, just the two interceptions. So he's taking care of the ball much, much better. And I think that, you know, if anything, it's just he knows that 
He probably doesn't have to do everything like he was trying to, uh, you know, when you go back and you look at the Kansas State game or even the Iowa State game, throwing the interception there on the final possession on first and 10 when OU seemingly, seemingly is starting to move the football. You know, and I think I think the one thing that Spencer has not shown us that he's going to show us in the future is just kind of that closer mentality. Like, he did throw that pass into the end zone on third down uh, before they kicked the final field goal, and everybody was saying, why would you do that? You could have forced Iowa State to take another timeout. Uh, but I didn't mind that. Like, I thought, okay, he's trying to close out that game. Like, that's what you want to see out of your quarterback. You want to see a little bit of a killer mentality and I think he has it, but he just hasn't he hasn't come through yet in that moment to where he needs to take I mean, there were several opportunities where, you know, well at least two, where he could have taken that team on a game clinching drive to just put yep. put it out of reach for Iowa State and it didn't happen. And you're just waiting for that Spencer Rattler to emerge. The one question when I was there uh, live, I didn't think Hazelwood had a legitimate shot at catching it. What did you guys think watching on TV? Was that was that something oh, he had? Jaden's got to got he had a he with. had a better shot at catching that than Trajan Bridges did of his diving touchdown. I'm saying yeah, that, that really, catch was easier uh, than the one Bridges didn't make. Uh, I would say it was more catchable to a certain extent, but I mean for for Hazelwood to come down with that, that would have been one of those holy shit! Look at the play that he just made. Same with Bridges. I I thought he had, I I don't know. I might have gone the other way, Kerry. I would have might have said that the Bridges ball was a little bit more catchable. I'll just say, you know, the more I watch the Cleveland, they both, they both would have been great plays. I, 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 there's no doubt about that. The thing that I would like to see develop with Rattler a little bit more is the more that I watch Baker Mayfield and Cleveland, he's gotten so good at the back shoulder stuff. And that never really was a thing. You know? Like, I don't know why Lincoln doesn't seem to do that a whole lot in his offense. Am I, do I, am I off there? Because I just feel like if you had Jaden Hazelwood running a lot of that back shoulder stuff, he would dominate. And I know he's done it to yeah. Mims a little bit. No, he really doesn't, like, not with the size. Same with, like, uh, Stogner. Doesn't really use them in that type of role yeah. for whatever reason. And it baffles me because it works so well for Baker in the NFL. And he didn't really do that at Oklahoma either. But, I don't know. That's just something I keeps popping into my head. You think of the receivers that they have. So, yeah, I, it's probably a little bit easier to do it to uh, to somebody like a, a Jarvis Landry. Yeah, but Baker does it like with the Higgins guy and, man, his receivers... That he had on they Sunday. Better, oh they my God! Win Sunday. Well, no Big can't Ben, lose, no Big Ben. So can't lose to Mason Rudolph. No, that would be bad. That's probably. <laughs> that's probably. That's enough to get Baker fired up, knowing that he's going to play a former OSU quarterback. Shit, I think I saw Jake tweet earlier. They are up to a ten-point favorite. They haven't been a double-digit favorite against a team with a winning record in fifty-two years. I mean, that's the kind of like turnaround that Baker has kind of installed up there. I don't, I don't give a damn what people say. It's been an incredible turnaround to get this team in the position that it did. I know this isn't a Browns podcast. That's okay. They're the Oklahoma City Browns but now. It's on my, 
Yeah, it's it's on my heart right now. I might <laughs> shit. I might fly up there someday. <laughs> Stay with the Trotter family. Uh, they probably won't let you. You never know. Maybe Bob can put in a good word for you. Patty's like family, right? Come on. I'm just saying. The liquor cabinet will be empty by the time he leaves. <laughs> I'm helping him. You'll be babysitting the kids, smoking a gurt the entire time. Called building character. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I want to remind you guys, uh, our great sponsor, Dead Soxy, uh, been with us all season. You guys have been supporting him. Uh, we can't thank you enough, but go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Uh, they've still got the uh, Holiday Pro promotion going on where you can get 35% off your entire order. Uh, so uh, go shop all their collections. You get 35% off uh, promo code HOLIDAYPRO, all one word. Uh, and you can shop from the no-show, the boardroom, the collabs, uh, the alumni collection. Get your crimson and cream colorways. Uh, they have multi-packs, so you can get different socks for different sporting events. Uh, Eddie, I know uh, you're a big Dead Soxy fan. Uh, you love them on the golf course as well. Yeah, and you know what? It's getting ready to be that time of the year where the weather's going to be starting to get a little bit more nicer out, and people are going to be able to get out onto the course here in January and February in some places uh, throughout the South, in Oklahoma included. I love the uh, the cutoff sock, though. It is perfect for the golf shoe. You won't be able to see the sock when you put it on. I'm a big fan of that. And uh, Can I tell you, you know, something? I, uh, I've even doubled up on them, too. Eddie, you have they, surprisingly nice legs. Thank you. I pride myself on great legs. You, you you're not a very hairy man, and you just you... sometimes I wish that I was. Like I my my head fills in, but uh, yeah, everywhere else I just I can't grow a beard, <laughs> so I'm a little bit of a loser in that regard. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you're you're getting back in the office and you want to look good, you might uh, go for a, a boardroom three pack. Uh, you might uh, hell go for the ten pack. Uh, for uh, it's on sale right now for 140 dollars. So. Uh, great place, and this, these things do not fall down, so you don't have to worry about having uh, you know, a, a worm ankle throughout the day. Those things will stay up for you. Uh, but Dead Soxy, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y, uh, Holiday Pro is that promo code. You get 35% off your entire order. Go see them today, and remember, guys, stay Soxy. Uh, okay, so you know, one of the things that we got into this week uh, is who will stay and who will go, and... For whatever reason, the board blew up this week about Isaiah Thomas when, you know, like it was some, like it was some out of the blue theory that he could leave after the season and go to the NFL when it's literally been talked about. Like, and and it was like, why haven't you guys brought this up before? It's like, that's all we've been talking about all year. Like, Ronnie Perkins, Isaiah Thomas. And we haven't really been talking about Nick Benito, even though he's eligible as a redshirt sophomore. But at the same time, like, I I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just saying. Right. The possibility is certainly there. And he was even asked about the NFL. Not will he go, but he was asked about his NFL future at the Cotton Bowl Media Day this year. So I, I didn't understand why it was that people are so... I guess they just don't want to lose him. I understand that. But that it could be even out there or or thought about or talked about that he might be a candidate to leave early. 
I think that's what it goes back to. Just that he didn't do anything those first three years on campus. And while this year was exceptional for him, does it really feel like he's done enough to that you would want to leave? But we, we've seen it. Dominic Alexander, Dante yeah. Lampkin. We've seen people on defense leave when it didn't. we thought it didn't make sense. I, I, I personally I totally agree. I don't think he goes. But he's put enough film out there this season to, in his mind, think that he's done enough. I, I don't think he has. I think one, one more year would be very ben, uh, beneficial for him. But you, you don't know where what his mental state is and what he wants to accomplish here moving forward. Well, and he's, he's great to talk to. He's a great interview. Oh, yeah. um, I, I voted him first. Did you? I voted him second. I I voted for Jeremiah Hall first. I just felt like you couldn't deny him. He was so good uh, with he the media. Was. But, no, I mean, yeah, he, he is a guy that gets bigger. But we've been talking about him all year, just about how much more athletic he is than people give him credit for. Uh, you know, you don't even really notice his size when he's playing on the inside uh, because he uses leverage so well. He uses his hand so well. Yeah, I mean, I've sat there and just watched him through the binoculars and it's amazing. You know, he mentioned Aaron Donald. So you can tell he wasn't comparing himself to Aaron Donald, but you can tell he patterns his game after his with, with the hand fighting and all that stuff because he's just really good, regardless of his size, at getting leverage on people, getting his hands on people, you know, taking their hands away uh, so he can get his hands where they need to be. It's like, I don't know if he's doing knife fighting on the side like Aaron Donald does, uh, but he gets it, man. I mean, he's he's got some really special skills. I've kind of presented my my three tiers uh, yesterday during the Lost Pod, but I, I'll just kind of reiterate what I said yesterday. Yeah, and I, I kind of agree well. with where you are on this. I think it's three tiers. The first tier is absolutely leaving... Uh, probably could have announced it before the bowl game if he wanted. And I think Creed Humphrey is in there by himself. Then you get to the second tier, and it's guys that literally could go either way. I understand where they're going. And that is Ronnie Perkins or Ramondre Stevenson. I truly think Agreed. that both of those guys are 50-50. And you, you have to remember with the Ronnie Perkins stuff, like I think he would maybe be I, – I might be putting him in the third tier – had he not gone through the bullshit with the NCAA and the drug test at the beginning of the year. Uh, so I would put him and Ramondre as both guys that could come back thinking about leaving. I think it's 50-50. And then you get to the third tier of guys that could really use another year. And I think it's the Perion Winfrey, Nick Benito, Isaiah Thomases of the world. And, you know, we talked to Josh about this one, and it was uh, Perion Winfrey. You're talking about a guy that could legitimately, and Alex Grinch kind of pointed it out, uh, he's he's almost said it every time we've talked to him here over the last couple of weeks. They think he could be the best interior defensive tackle in the country next year. And if you put a full season together, you put a full summer together, and this is only if Perrion Winfrey wants to go through the doldrums of the summer, mm-hmm. working his ass off and everything that goes into it. And go to school. And go to school. <laughs> That's always like, the I thing. Yeah. asking a lot. You could literally make life-changing money by the work that you put in over the next nine, 10 months uh, here starting in January. And, you know, if if you want to buy in and you want to be that guy and be the next great defensive tackle from the University of Oklahoma, uh, I think it ends up paying off and you could end up being, you know, somewhere in the middle of the first round by the end of it all. 
I think it's pretty obvious that, uh, and I, I, I think it's out. And Grinch has said it. Lincoln Riley has said it. Just kind of almost hinting at how young of a player he is. And if you can get a guy like that to buy back into the program, not only are you helping the 2021 team, but you could literally make money that changes not just your life, but your family's life. And he could probably do that. Uh, you know, if he comes out this year, but you're really, and I think somebody outlined it on the board a couple of days ago, uh, maybe even about a week ago, as far as like just the difference in the type of money that you would make by coming back and being that middle first round pick. And, you know, I think that's an opportunity that could be very appealing to uh, Perry on Winfrey. So right now I kind of think Creed is the only guy that I would legitimately, you know, sign off on thinking yeah, he's he kind of has yeah. his mind made up and everybody else is kind of in that, uh, you know, should he stay or should he go? And, you know, I, I guess in a kind of a weird, sick, strange way, it's like if Ronnie Perkins has a really good night on Wednesday against Florida, maybe that pushes him over the edge mm-hmm. of, of, of wanting to leave. But we'll see. You know, I, the running back situation is interesting. Uh, if Ramondre wants to come back, I kind of, I guess, would probably lean towards him leaving. But who knows? It'll be kind of interesting to see what – what uh what goes into the decision making process here over the next couple couple weeks? You you now have the crimson corner legitimately praying that Ronnie Perkins gets dinged up in the first quarter, not hurt, but just dinged up <laughs> to where hurt. he can't go. Yeah, no, but can he have I, like a Perry on Winfrey type game in the Big Twelve Championship where he gets back there and makes a lot of plays, but doesn't necessarily <laughs> gets a face mask here or there, yeah. a lot of plays. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing, and and I understand. People are hesitant, or, or not hesitant, but people, they just ignore what this year has been like for these kids because they haven't lived it. Uh, and, and for a lot of people, life is pretty normal. But for these guys, it is anything but normal. I mean, waiting on these tests to come back three times a week, going through what you know they have to go through as far as social distancing and staying away from people and, and being quarantined trying to be in whatever bubble they can, you know, can kind of put together to be in. Like, I do kind of worry that there's going to be some decisions that you don't expect, i.e. Perry on Winfrey, just because I could see someone saying, look, this is not real fun for me. I don't want to do this for another year, and I might as well be getting paid to do this because this is not really what any of us signed up. I just think someone's going to have that attitude that you don't expect. And could it be Isaiah Thomas? Could it be Perry on Winfrey? Uh, Could it be Nick Benito? I don't know. I'm just saying I would withhold judgment like it's any other year just because of what all these kids have had to go through this year if they do make that decision that you don't expect. Yeah, I mean, that goes into the fact, like, we think we know who these kids are. And then this year with the Zoom, you really didn't get a chance. So you, you you have an idea, but you don't know what their motivations are. And sure. there's just no way of knowing that until they actually say it. You know, it, it, it's also kind of interesting, too, is just the fact of the matter of as far as like the the extra year of eligibility. I You know, we didn't talk about this yesterday in the Lost Pod, but like, are there any guys out there that you think A would – I guess it's kind of a three-part question. A, leave, but go graduate and attend a different school. I'm thinking that's like a Robert Barnes, maybe a Because they Justin have two Royals. years instead of one. Yeah. 
Sure. Mm-hmm. Or is the or are there guys that will just flat out come back next season that were expected to leave? Right. Uh, I, I guess an Eric Swenson would maybe be in that mix, depending on you know what ends up happening with a Stacy Wilkins and how do that irons out. And then you have the guys that just flat out transfer, and I guess you've already kind of seen that with the two that are in the portal, uh, in Tanner Mordecai, who's now headed to SMU, and uh, TJ Pledger, who is undetermined at this point. But that's a good example again, because, I mean, they know they have that extra year, so they feel more confident about going into the portal. But, yeah, I've always been – I think a lot of people have looked at it from that way. I've always been curious about the 2016 class guys, you know, the the Chance Sylvie, the Brian Mead, the Eric Swanson, the John Michael Terry, you know, the guys that you – heading into last spring, you're like, okay, this is our last go around with them. And then we we start thinking how we're going to replace them, who's going to take their spots. What are, if those guys come back? How, how does that clog up everything at at those certain spots? Yeah, and I I think Lincoln's the kind of coach he's going to have a plan for that stuff. I mean he's he's not. I don't think he's a guy that's just going to want to have numbers to have them. I mean I think he's going to have discussions with a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. saying, you know, we we don't really see it working out for you here next year. Um, because we have this guy coming in or we're going to get this transfer. Um, I just think, I, I don't think he's going to be a guy that wants to carry a big roster uh, and then have to deal with that, you know, a year from now, two years from now, when the NCAA just comes out and says, okay, everybody's got to go back to 85. So, I look, one of the things that you know we brought up yesterday as well, and, and I know you were you were talking about this, Eddie, but um, you know Charleston Rambo, does he transfer yep. out? Um, it, I, I mean, has Rambo scored a touchdown since Missouri State? No, he scored two in the first game and hasn't scored since. He's dropped two. Yes, he has. But I mean that, and he had the one that was called back because Hazel was holding. But that's. Uh, that is fascinating that that Rambo's not found the end zone. They kind of stopped running that jet sweep that they used him on so much, and they would use Hazelwood on a lot. Uh, and they've gone to more, you know, counter stuff off of the GT power and the GT, uh, uh, all the GT game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just the offense is just a little bit different. They, you haven't had as many shots down the field. In the last mm-hmm. half of the season, the TCU game was kind of the end of the deep shot because that's pretty much all that game was. Uh, and I think losing Stogner probably had something to do with that. Uh, but And then Mims being banged up had something to do with that. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. This offense has been up and down. It's been stagnant at times. The play calling's been weird. But... I don't think more Rambo, anybody ever thought more Rambo was the solution to fix things this year. But, but Less yeah, Rambo was management. more the solution. You know, Theo Howard, Obi, o, uh, Obiallo, I mean, those are two guys that... I don't believe that Obi Obiallo... I don't think that Obi Obiallo is actually a real person. <laughs> He's playing Warzone. That's all That's all he tweets about on uh, Twitter. So, But, I mean, theoretically, those guys could both come back. Which sounds crazy because it's like maybe they want maybe they'd want Not Theo sure. Howard back just because you know he's still know. coming off of that Achilles Achilles 
don't know why I say Achilles. Achilles. Um, so that's just a lot of the conversations, you know, that, and you kind of hear the frustration in Riley's voice when he mentions the roster management, but that's just what this next month, month and a half is going to all be about. By the way, let's uh, let's go into this, Bob. Uh, what are your feelings on? You know, Josh talked about this once again on Lost Pod yesterday, but uh, he continues to feel good about Tristan Lee and thinks that he's kind of like we kind of compared it to an Emeka Ibuka in reverse, where okay. he went on that mm-hmm. trip and got enamored, yep. uh, and ever since then he's kind of come back to OU. Uh, but obviously, if you win this game and you look good doing it. I think the biggest thing for why I said it's so important for Riley is not just he needs an SEC win, but it gives you that bump in recruiting to just kind of be like, yeah, f*** the SEC. They're not any better than us, which yeah, is what a, Clemson has what, that nobody else has right now. Because when you, you look at the hats on the table that are going to be there, you're going to see Florida, LSU. I don't know if he'll throw in the Buckeyes, but if you see those three other schools and then you pick OU. Yeah, that's definitely a, a nice shot in the arm. And I can see where Josh is coming from. That makes a lot of sense because it, it is true. When you don't get to make a lot of visits, maybe the ones you do make stand out more than ever before. And it, even though Florida lost to L, uh, LSU during that weekend, that doesn't really cloud what happens throughout the rest of the stay. And, and you know, maybe you know what Ryan Day and the Buckeye staff had to do with. Mecca, it's probably what Lincoln Riley and Bill Bunebo had to do with Tristan. There's nothing, there's no like, un, like I don't know what the word, like un, uh, under the radar rumor or something like that that's been kind of circulating here in the last week where it's like, oh boy, you know, you guys should really be on the watch for this. It, it does feel like maybe the situation has played itself out to where Lee picks OU without any real drama. Saturday, but I mean, you know, here we are about four days away just from letting it finally happen. But there hasn't been that last minute swell of just like, oh boy, you guys should really be worried. There's something that could definitely be going down, unlike Kamar Wheaton, where you had a lot of that smoke and you're like, is he going to do it? You know, what's his, you know, what's his mindset? You haven't really had that, that doubt that Tristan Lee doesn't have a clear idea of exactly. What, what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. Well, yeah, and, and if, if you really, you know, if he really is in a place where he is, uh, you know, comfortable with Oklahoma and he sees Oklahoma go out and beat Florida, it, it, I got to think that's almost like, yeah, that's a sign. That's, that's where I'm supposed to be. And it probably would give him a little bit of comfort in just going ahead and making that decision. And you see the way him and Caleb interact on social media. It just feels like a different vibe between where those other schools are trying to recruit him still. I get that. And there are other uh, signees on those uh, teams trying to do it. It just feels like it's different when it's Caleb trying to talk to Tristan. I'm working on my Christmas lights for next year. See if I can help out a recruit, help out with recruiting by my Christmas lights. <laughs> no doubt that's something I, I don't even know how you do something like that <laughs> but they changed it up you know whatever it had to be uh before signing day to what it had to be post signing day but i mean there when you just you look at 
I, I actually uh, think about writing this story for for Friday that in uh, you know Tristan Lee himself doesn't feel like the most valuable recruit ever, but if you package it as to what OU fans have seen in the last two three weeks, th- that Saturday announcement is going to be so magnified because you can't go from thinking you had Bryce Foster, Kamar Wheaton, the Mecca, Egbuka, all uh, all those guys, and then end up with zero. And so, the, I mean, I don't know how good Tristan Lee is by himself, but the totality of the situation just makes Saturday all that much bigger. He's kind of like the emotional, what do they call that, the security pet that you take on the plane yeah. with you? Yeah, kind of. Yep. He's like the security pet of this recruiting <laughs> class. Uh, he's, what, is he 6'6", six, six, and that's a big security pet. Uh Emotional support animal. Emotional support animal. Yeah, that's what they <laughs> yep. are. Which I think you're only allowed dogs now. I think they've finally gotten rid of the parrots and the whatever else, monkeys and stuff people were taking. I think you could just have a dog. Although I know people that travel with their dogs and they buy them a seat. Yeah, they can afford it. Um, Eddie, I don't... Uh, I, do you have like a 10 p.m. meeting tonight or something like that for videographers for the game? Uh, I mean, there is one. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know if you'll be there or not? Uh, I mean, I'm going to try to. I plan on it, but I usually kind of blow that thing off before games anyways. I, I, I think I will sit in on it just to kind of get the lay of the land on what's going down tomorrow. It's going to, I mean, it's un- unbelievable that tomorrow. We have a football game. Oh, I know. On a Wednesday. Oklahoma State has a game in, 30, in an hour. Yeah, I can't wait. I muted myself. It, 10, it was 10 a.m. I kept saying that you guys weren't reacting. It's like, oh, I muted myself. It was 10, a, uh, 10 a.m. this morning. It said oh, on the well. app that it was 10 p.m., though. <laughs> if guess... you look at the Cotton Bowl app. Yeah, it said 10 p.m. on the app. I'm going to look at the app again. Maybe they just changed it. See if it. they changed well, it. Well, apparently I didn't miss much. No, but it did. It actually said 10 p.m. because Eddie and I were both looking at it. We were like, what the f***? And I just oh. figured like it took them all day to get everything set up and everything. Yeah, I did too. Check I guess for that makes sense why they uh, content. Yeah, 10 a.m. Well, you have, an, you have an excuse now. You, well, you were waiting for radio. 10 p.m. I was working. Maybe they'll send out a. Uh, I need somebody to CC me on the uh, the notes app about that. It is. I mean, it, it's kind of strange that you know OU is just showing up today, but I mean that's kind of what was expected. Mm-hmm. But the thing no, is, it is, the thing is, they don't. They did their walkthrough yesterday, so I guess they'll go to AT and T tonight and just kill each other. I don't know what they, I mean, it, it, that's the whole thing. It's like the whole thing is so weird because there is no bowl experience. I mean, it literally, I, I carry, I think you asked Lincoln uh, a couple weeks ago, just as far as like, what does the whole bowl experience uh, sound like to you? And he very bluntly said, it sounds like a road game. Yeah. I mean, he said, yeah, he just said, uh, what does it look like? He said a road game. Even this morning, he didn't say, like, what a great week it's been in Dallas and Arlington. <laughs> it's, we can't wait to get there. It's like, we're actually still not there. So we can't talk about all the things we've 
done here. It's the first oh, time God. that Eddie did not destroy a hospitality room in I know. a decade. Florida just had another opt-out. Defensive tackle Kyrie Campbell has Holy opted out. Holy crap. Whew. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he just announced it and they already... I mean, surely he's not opting out from Dallas. That would be something. What if he woke up late and missed the play and he was like, oh, crap, i got to opt out now. But they came in yesterday, so... Dan Mullen did the same thing that Lincoln's doing. He's like, I'll just let the players announce it. I don't know. How is that like... I don't know. I guess it's just everybody has to announce everything now. The players themselves. We've been yeah, used to that happening in recruiting for years now. So I guess that's just the de facto thing. You just that's the new standard. Just players have to announce their own shit. Are the Buckeyes the only one that really had like a COVID list that they sent out the night before? Like with names and stuff? Yeah. I haven't I seen anybody any else others. do that, yeah. Well, Missouri just said, uh, we can't play. TCU just said, uh, we're done. <laughs> yeah, we can't play. <laughs> kind of knew that shit was going to happen with some of these schools, didn't you? I mean, yep. yeah. What, what did they... What I mean, it's amazing. It is amazing that OU's COVID numbers were as low as they were. I mean, they were 0%. Yeah. Well, uh, it kind of makes sense. I mean, that considering a bunch of that testing was done, I guess, before the holiday, I mean... There's it was before and right. after. It was before right. and after. There's nobody on campus. Right. But that, That's what I, I took it as. People were adhering to what's being asked. There's no one around that's not caring. They're all doing it right. They yeah. got tested 26. It'd be this test that we Well, it just shows you that families families took it seriously. Because, I mean, there is there was the... It was the through the 26th. So it was, mm-hmm. it was the day after they got back. Those were... Test results were included in there too, but I guess I I'm not really aware on how it would it would work. But if you got it, say Christmas Day, would it show up the 26th or would it show up like the 28th? It would be after, yeah. That I'm not sure. But I'm sure most people took pretty good precautions yeah. with the families, kept it small. I mean, at least I think most of those guys. You just want to see your mom and dad. She's probably hadn't no, seen that, them. That's why time I, had, I had absolutely zero problems with them letting them go home. No, it was ridiculous to not let them. I mean, you'd be just a huge asshole. And what are they really gonna accomplish? I mean, yeah, there was no. I mean, they had seven days of practice regardless, so that was. I do find the conversation about like Oklahoma gets any gets nothing out of playing Florida or in the lose lose thing. I find that to be the biggest loser mentality that you could possibly have. I don't even. I get the argument. I get the narrative, but I think it's super super important that Oklahoma wins this game and Mm -hmm. just gives themselves something good going into an off season in which there hasn't been a whole lot of good. It's been a it's been about a month of kind of licking your wounds every year coming out of the college football semifinal. And, I, you know, as, as good as that is, as great as it is for the program to get that type of exposure, at the same time, I do think it's important that they get some sense of, uh, I, I mean, for I, at the end of the day, just winning a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all, 
the select few from the 2016 class are the only people that have experienced a bowl win. And really only Caleb Kelly had any part in that Sugar Bowl win. You know, John Michael Terry and Chance Hill, like none of those guys actually did anything or they were redshirting. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's a different feeling. It's great really, as, they've, it, as they've been with the conference. It might have been. None of those guys know bowl wins. I think that's Caleb Kelly's finest moment. As a it is. Oklahoma it still is, which is so strange to say. That quarterback was awful for Auburn. Such a after Jordan Evans took uh, took him out. Oh yeah. man! Yeah, they. Yeah, I mean, they got to the point. Didn't they bring in a last chance you guy? Yeah, they John 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 Franklin the third. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So I you, that's a name I hadn't heard in a while. <laughs> I was very excited when he came in the game too. I was like, "Last chance, you guy." That was before I was completely just. I last chance, you just it jumped the Went shark the for cliff. me. Oh yeah. yeah, it did. There's only so many times when you actually played JUCO ball. It's a lot of PST, PS, P, PTSD involved watching that because you're like, God, that. I forgot how many dumbasses go to junior college. So, well, it's going to be a good one. Uh, we'll, we will all three be there. This is the first time since the Kansas game, I think, we've all three been somewhere together. Isn't that right, Kansas game? Yeah, in the, in the first travel situation. Yeah, first time traveling all, all away three. from home that all three of us have been able to go to something. Eddie was no not allowed to go to OU Texas this year, which he... That, I, was that your first real disappointment of the season, Eddie? Where you were just like, F*** this season. Uh, I mean, it's it's got, to be honest, it's kind of been like that all year. Just when I when we found out all the protocols that were going to be in place, even for home games. But I think that was probably the first one that I was like, damn, all right, whatever. Uh, I, I you know I'd be lying, and I've said this on the radio. I think I've said it on the U forty before. It's like as much as I've enjoyed the football season i think just kind of the gravity of the situation and kind of the zaniness and the craziness of you know basically being ready at a moment's notice to be prepared for any type of news and today was uh a great example of that uh with the hazelwood stuff i i've been kind of in this mentality of just i don't know not necessarily over the season but definitely like yeah, all right. I'm. Uh, let's get one more in. Get the bowl game in, and if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, my heart necessarily wouldn't be broken. Uh, I think that's kind of been the the best way to say it. But yeah, I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready to get back into normalcy, just like everybody else, and kind of start moving and progressing towards you know spring football, which should be humongous, uh, considering all things that are going into the 2021 season, and then. Obviously, uh, you know, into the into college football season because I I do think by the you know by July August of 2021, uh, you know I, I think we'll be looking forward to tailgating. We'll be looking forward to packing into the stadium once again and kind of everything that goes into that. Would you be willing to get uh, tattooed to prove that you have taken the vaccine if it meant you could go to sporting events or concerts? That sounds like some government bullshit. See, I know, I know. But I'm just but yeah, like if I if if I if I had to like carry it around like it's a like it's a goddamn movie, 
Uh, I mean, yeah, tattoo me up. Let's I would go. love I'm for that. I'm, I'm ready. I'm willing and ready to do anything. I would love for that to happen to like, and you could make it voluntary, but I, I think it would, I think it would make Facebook explode if they came up with a plan where you had to get a mark of some type because who wants to carry around a damn card? Like it would be sure. more convenient, but then, you know, you'd have people that would go and get fake tattoos try and circumvent it that never got the vaccine so so you'd so eddie you probably would have to have a chip of some kind what what do you get to do tomorrow i i mean the way that i've read the everything is shoot the game from not down on the field but like from a first row which they're calling the operational zone um you know and they have the regular time limits and stuff that we act like we follow and then really don't, but it's going to, it'll be basically shooting the game, basically shooting the game like in Norman, but uh, not on top of the field from the, uh, the top level more so uh, from down closer down to field level. I think we may have Mr. I broke my house um, calling in now. Hold on. Here we go. Josh, are you there? I think Josh is there. It says Josh joined. Josh, you there? I am here, guys. What's God, going on? So loud. Uh, <laughs> all right. How did you break your house? What the hell are you doing? So, guys, was and I should note that all the the stud finder jokes, all the terrible th- these things were being used. I was doing what I've done, hanging up half a dozen things, and I was drilling a hole in a wall. My stud finder had told me there was a stud. Now that the house has been torn apart and I can see what I drilled into, my stud finder just mistaked a gas pipe for a stud. So I drilled directly into a into the gas pipe, into the main line, literally coming from the outside of our house. How did you? How point- did you know? Was it just a, an immediate like? I mean, you're glad. I'm glad there wasn't like a spark or something. Absolutely. No, the, so what ended up happening was literally, so I go through the drywall and I can, you know, you feel that initial give and then I feel the next pressure. I'm like, okay, there's my two by four. And I go to hit it. And all of a sudden I feel like there's air in my face. Like I can just feel it hitting my face. And, uh, you know, within a half a second, you can smell it. And you're like, Oh, that's not air. So then you immediately, you know, like, and so I was like, okay, Well, then I had to figure out what to do, and I had to call the gas companies, like, emergency line, and it's all very frenetic. Like, they want me to call 911 after I've hung up with them. It was a dramatic little period of time. Did your, like, wife and kids get in the car and just drive off? Well, luckily, everybody – Tiffany was at work. uh, The girls were at school, and then I had to wait for the guy to come out. They literally took my meter away. I don't have a gas meter outside my house right now. I've got to wait for the city to come back, approve the fix that has happened today, and then also come back and fix the um, – and then wait for the gas company to actually come back and reinstall my gas meter because I guess they take it away so that somebody couldn't just turn it back on after they leave. So uh, it, was a, it was a little bit of a disaster of a day. So, uh, yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of good things happened in the McQuistian household all of a month in. Well, thank God Lanny quit smoking and she wasn't out there with you. <sighs> you know, she, well, you know, as long as it's cigarettes, that's a real improvement for Lanny. She's been living the wild life in her daycare. 
So, uh, yeah, but so far, so good. That sucks, man. That's scary as hell, too. Oh, it was, because, I mean, like, it was one of those things, and, you know, like a week before, Tiffany had read some story about a uh, a house exploding or something, like from something very similar. So she's like, don't flip on any light switches. Don't do anything. So I, like, I'm shutting doors closed, you know, like, because, you know, I was thinking of like, you know, when you And this was in your garage? Yes, this is in the garage of the house. I mean, this was the, the smell. I mean, like you could smell it out in the street. There was so much gas just pouring out there for a few minutes. It's a great way to endear yourself to your new neighbors, isn't it? Well, and and that was the scariest thing. I was like, do I go <laughs> tell my neighbors? Like, do I? Is their first real memory of me? Like, yeah, this is the asshole that punctured his gas line, or do I let it go? And I'm just like, they'll be fine because once we got it shut off, really the danger's gone at that point. But it was it was a little bit of a mess there for a while. You definitely paid the seventy bucks to get that Wallabot, didn't you? Uh, that's already been ordered and is on its way. That this will not happen again. Holy crap! Insane. I would never. I've drilled into my wall a lot during this pandemic, and uh, now you have me scared shitless. It. This is a this little error that I did in a matter of seconds is going to end up costing me about fifteen hundred dollars all in. So I was going to ask, go to home warranty cover something like that. <sighs> No, there is none of that. This is strictly user stupidity. No, I don't think that's covered. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they don't cover you just being a dumbass. So that uh, that that didn't slide for me at all. So, I don't know how we go anywhere from there. We're just glad that you're alive. Really, seriously. Like after hearing that story, holy shit. Turn from one shit show to another. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood's not playing in the bowl game, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so, did I miss any scorching hot takes from this one? Not no, really. It's scorching just... hot takes in the loss in the loss pod. The, the well, not on certainly not on Jaden Hazelwood. No. We all just assumed he would play. Yeah, there were no scorching hot takes from the press conference this morning either, other than no. how do you go like four questions in before you ask about missing half your <laughs> offense to that Dan Mullen? That really was. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. But, no, I all we said, really, to start the show was, you know, there's a little bit of... Uh, positive spin and there's a little bit of reality that's you know it's somewhere in the middle like it's not all like oh he told Lincoln and the coaches and they were fine with it everybody's on the same page like that's not exactly I mean he did tell the coaches that doesn't mean that they were fine with it and it doesn't mean when you're sitting there posting training videos that it makes people more fine with it when you can't play or practice but you can go home and do training like that's not that's not smart. I'm not saying it's a bad looker. I'm just saying that's not inte- like maybe you did go home and train. Don't post it on the internet. Because that's not making anything better. But well, I did say, you know, I've been contacted since we've done this pod just to kind of clear things up because it's like I think all the reporting that's been done on this has been done from the Jaden Hazelwood side because it's all rosy and nothing's wrong and I I don't believe that he's got a knee tweaked. Uh Otherwise, you're not working out. You're sitting at home, you know, just resting. Uh, I 
I just think that he opted out. He didn't want to play. He is a. I think there is some truth to, uh, you know, him being a little bit um, disgruntled, if you will. And there are multiple. I'm told multiple coaches on the OU staff that think it is quote very weird end quote. But that doesn't you know, mean it can't all be fixed and worked out and it'll all blow. I think it will all blow over. It just doesn't. And, and like Bob brought up, it doesn't match up with the fact that Lincoln sung his praises early in the season about how engaged he was with the team while he was still rehabbing. Well, and I think doesn't the video only make it worse? Because, I mean, it, guys, and forgive me if my memory is just jaded because this or a little shaky. This year has been so weird, but didn't he get hurt working out at home? Like, isn't that the story? Correct. Like, didn't that? Yep. Well, so, we we only told it was a freak accident, and <clears throat> and it didn't happen during a any kind of football activities. Right. So, how is he going to act frustrated or irritated about how things have played out this year when you created this reality? Like, you did. This had nothing to do with Oklahoma. You think Oklahoma doesn't want to put Jaden Hazelwood on the field? Don't be crazy. They want to play that dude, but he hasn't been ready for the vast majority of the year, and now that he is ready, he doesn't want to play. Like, I, I don't know what you do with that if you're Oklahoma. So, Well, yeah, and the coaches know, are like, you know, you just made a huge play in the Big 12 championship game, and we want you to get more comfortable with your quarterback – against a good team, so he'll trust you more next year, and then you can come right out of the gates uh, firing on all cylinders. Now, if his irritation is that Charleston Rambo is getting snaps, I think we can all agree on that. I think we can all join Bull the hard. confusion of that reality. But Bull at the same time, <laughs> but I mean, w with that exception, like, what are you mad about that, that you didn't do? You've, you've chosen most of this. Not that he chose to get hurt, but you were doing stuff at home that OU was not supervising, had no control over. How do they, uh, how is that on OU? I, I mean, I'm not saying it's necessarily on him either. Stuff happens. They also cleared him to come back at Oklahoma. They also cleared him to come back early against Kansas. I mean, Bob yeah. and I were kind of confused on that. At the and time. not to mention, not to mention, in a game in which he came back from injury early, a significant injury early, he had the third most snaps out of any wide receiver in that game. Then you go into the Bedlam game, and all of a sudden, Jaden Hazelwood can't play because he's apparently, and I'm not blaming him for you know having to go through COVID quarantine or whatever you want to call it. He wasn't available though. Right. So the, the, the snaps, you you look at the uh, Baylor game coming out of it. I put it all on the board. You come out of that Baylor game, and he had 13 snaps. He had, uh, what was it, 13 snaps, and also, I believe, had uh, one of the lowest run-blocking grades in the game. Like, I mean, I'm just not buying this this thing about, if he's unhappy, and I'm not saying this in a derogatory term, but he's being a little bitch about it. <laughs> I'm not saying that. With all due respect. You cannot call another man a bitch and say, with all due respect, <laughs> Mr. Dennett. I think we just did. Like, and, but I will say, Josh, and I, I, I led with this at the beginning, like, I'm not mad at him per se. It's just a strange thing to do if you're looked at as this team leader and then all of a sudden you go, to, you go home for Christmas. And, I mean, even go back into his recruitment, we knew that there were people in his ears. Like, and all of a sudden, you now have this huge problem. You can't make it back to Norman to be with your teammates. It's just, it is strange. 
And you're it, opting it really, out. You're opting out, but everything's fine, and you're going to come back now. Like who opts out of a bowl game, and then just returns like nothing ever happened the next year? You know, the guys. The thing that I don't understand. I'm looking at the board and watching people go into panic. What What is it, Jaden Hazelwood's done on the field that you're like, oh, the, oh, you just can't recover from this? What What are you talking about? Like, well, he's a five star. And he's got an amazing potential. I mean, he does. You don't he see a whole lot of receivers does. like him. I but, I totally. I'm I'm here for the panic. I mean, like panic. <laughs> I love this kid. I love this kid's 12. potential. I think he could be. I look. I still think that he is even with the emergence of Marvin Mims. We don't know where he's going. I still think Jaden Hazelwood is the best pro prospect on this roster because when he's at his best, he's strong, he's powerful, he breaks tackles. You he's, mean he's, a receiver? As a receiver, yes. Okay, uh, okay. As a receiver, because like his his best is he could possibly be a little bit better uh, than the uh, God. Why can't I remember the Iowa State guy's name? Uh, that Hutchinson. Just, H- Hutchinson. Yeah, like yeah. I think he's his game could be that. He could be that dominating of a receiver in college. He no no no, don't get me wrong. The potential's all there for him to be worthy of this. But like people acting like this is some irrecoverable loss, they've done pretty well the last 2 years and he's had very little role. So like this idea that he just can't be like he's a he's an insurmountable loss. Are we talking about the same receiver room? Like there's plenty of talent in that room and there's even more coming. So like I, I I don't know, but I mean it it like you'd rather have him. Don't don't misunderstand me, but like I it just I don't understand it. It's one of those things that, and as a recruiting guy, I guess I should get it, but it just it doesn't <laughs> make sense to me. But uh, but no, I mean he's a he's a huge talent, and that's not something you want to go through if you're Oklahoma. But I'm with you, Kerry. From what I've heard, and what I've the few people I've had a chance to talk to. It sounds like this will probably be fine. It's just one of those things that, like it's weird. It doesn't make sense. And it, you know, like this could have been his big spotlight moment, and he's doing whatever he's doing. Yeah, and I think, like I said, when your actions don't match up with your words, it concerns you. And I think that, and and we, like we said, Lincoln's going to put a a you know a smiling face over this whole deal, uh, and that's what he does. He's he he doesn't let stuff that goes on behind the scenes get out to the public or. Um, you know, if he did, it would be because it was just good. I mean, like, you know, opt out stuff like that. You know, he hates Trey Brown opting out for this game, but, you know, he was actually Alex Grinch. We talked about this. Alex Grinch was more supportive, I thought, of Trey Brown opting out than Lincoln's appeared to be. So I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting when he's asked about it after uh, if everything is just fine and dandy, like his people are saying, uh, or if. You know, even Lincoln's like, I don't know what's going on with the kid. Or I'm concerned. There definitely, or has, to, there definitely has to be some type of element, though. Like, I just think that, and I, I think I fall into the olds category on this as far as, like, the opt-out, it doesn't bother me. I understand where they're coming from. But even somebody like a Gerald McCoy tweeted about it, like, what what's up with all these kids opting out? And I think it had more in reference to do with, like, the Florida kids, but... It just it's a different mentality right now, and especially in a year in which shit has been wild. If any I don't I don't fault anybody for wanting to just hit the reset button on uh twenty twenty. It's been fucked up. Like I get it. It just is it, it's weird when it comes to fruition and when things happen, how everything has gone down. 
I think well, that's yeah, he fought so hard to come back, and then when he's back, he don't want to play. Like I, it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Josh, we talked about Tristan Lee uh, and kind of your, you know, our on the Lost Pod. We've referred to it many times. Kind of how we <laughs> compared it to uh, Emeka Ibuka, uh That you know, in kind of your thoughts about how you feel like he's kind of come back to OU. Uh, we did not talk about Kamar Wheaton, and I know you can't wait to talk about that again for the second day in a row. Uh, I don't. Maybe that's what made the pod disappear, the Kamar Wheaton discussion yesterday. Uh, but just quickly, kind of address kind of what went down there and what any possible prospects might be for the future at, at the running back position. Sure. Well, and I did want to say with Lee, I know he talked to Oklahoma yesterday. I haven't even had a chance to put that on the board yet. I just kind of had that conversation here in the last... 30 minutes or so. So he talked, he talked to Oklahoma recently. Uh, everything I'm told that went very well. Everything still sounds like it's headed in the right direction for Oklahoma. So that, that seems to be moving. Well. Emotional security uh, recruit. We compared absolutely. him. We compared him to taking an emotional that's, that's security we, head on that, yeah, a plane that's what we compared for to. this recruiting class. After missing Wheaton, Foster, Egbuka, this is the one they got to get. Yeah, this 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 is the snuggie. This is the pillow that's going to make them feel better at night. So that that makes sense. Well, you know, it, with Wheaton, like I said, I mean, you know, and I I went through it yesterday, but this is a guy that the night before his announcement, I'm told it was still up in the air. I, you know, the people, some people I told that that I talked to kind of told me, eh, it's still Alabama. That's kind of where he's leaning. But then I talked to somebody else. They're like, nah, he's open. Like it, it's not. He hasn't decided yet, which is why I hate when these guys set an announcement date before they they know what they want to do, but that's another diatribe for another day with Wheaton. Then going into that, what was that Wednesday? He really kind of sat down, talked with some people and it sounds like he had, he had decided it was Alabama in the morning and then about lunch and then kind of into the early afternoon, he'd gone back with Oklahoma. He had asked for an edit. Like he was engaged with, it was going to be OU again. Almost and has to be when uh, when Caleb Williams and those guys started tweeting things. Sorry to cut you off there. No, no, that's fine. And and I hadn't even thought about that, Eddie. But you're absolutely right. That timeline makes sense. Uh, and then about five o'clock, he kind of came back and told some people it was going to be Alabama. But then as the night wore on, you still were hearing stuff like this is this is not over. He's still you know like there's still some stuff going on. And it's one of those things where. It's, and like I said, all along with Kamar, it was so weird because it wasn't ever a situation where you're talking about, okay, this is, um, you know, we, we know because he talked to Oklahoma. We know because he talked to Alabama. It's all secondary sources and it's all weird. And you, so you're kind of guessing who really has information and who doesn't. And in this case, I mean, it was just a situation where I think you know, Alabama, he just felt a little better about that situation, felt a little more confident, obviously, with what Alabama's done at running back in recent years. So it makes some sense. I mean, you can understand where he's coming from. But, you know, there's been this idea that, well, okay, Oklahoma lost him. They should go keep recruiting him. I said it yesterday, guys. And I've said it over and over again. How do you recruit a guy that won't talk to you? Like, I don't know how you do that. He kind of made a decision like almost like online shopping. Like he looked at the cars. He, he looked and found what he wanted. And then he pretty much signed the contract and walked out. Like there, there was no time to sell him on the upgrade package or a different car altogether. He knew what he wanted to do, so he did it. Like there, there's just not a lot more to that story. And I really don't think Oklahoma's going to move in that direction. I think they're going to look in the transfer portal. And I know everybody kind of gets you know upset or wound up about that. 
let's see what happens. Let's get through these bowls and let's see who suddenly shows up in the transfer portal. People are kind of acting like, well, right now there's not all these elite guys. That's not usually the way this works. It usually pushes into January and you see more guys once they start getting their draft report cards back, start making maneuvers and making decisions on what they want to do. So let's see what happens. But I, like I said, I think they definitely will have to go to the transfer portal, and I think that is definitely the plan at this point. All right. Um, I think that just about does. I think we're good. Hopefully this thing does not. I'm double recording. So I've, it's freaked me out. I'm double, so we should have a pod. If you're hearing <laughs> this, it worked today. All right. I am not talking about Kamar Wheaton tomorrow. I won't do it. I, yeah. Two in a row. That's all I've got. I think we're going to be okay. I really hope so. All right, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know it's uh, a quick turnaround for the Cotton Bowl. Don't forget the Eskridge Lexus postgame show. Eddie and I will be bringing that to you after the game is over. Uh, late tomorrow night. Uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be up late. But, hey, if Oklahoma goes out plays well and you guys are happy, we'll be happy. Uh, to stay up and do it. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to uh, deadsoxy.com as well, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Go check them out. Uh, and uh, appreciate them being a sponsor of the pod all year long. Thanks to you, Josh, for joining us. I'm glad that things are safe at your house, mostly. Uh, thanks to Bob. Thanks to Eddie. Hope you guys have a great new year as well. And uh, we'll see you again next week on another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.